the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. You're all right. You're scout through the book of books, Sophie Dollar. Good evening, everyone. Good to have you with me tonight. I am going to. We're going to do a little bit of a an FM program. <laughs> program. You, you're going to hear the uh, deep voice, kind of quiet and um, laid back version of Soapy Dollar tonight. Uh, I am still struggling a little bit with the voice. I talked for three hours this morning. <clears throat> Talk uh, Bible and uh, then uh, got some rest and hopefully I was thinking my voice would pick back up and strengthen up for the evening but uh, still a little under the uh, I, I don't think it's a, an illness so much as uh, someone has told me they th- think and they say the famous they say that it's uh, what is it um, some kind of uh, cedar fever is that the idea uh, <clears throat> kind of a dryness on the throat. But anyway, I'm going to try to not stress or strain through the evening, and I hope I'm not making you feel uncomfortable as you listen to someone. It maybe doesn't sound uh, uh, like they normally do, but I'm not. It's not in any pain or anything. It's just a slightly stressed voice. And Jacob is the one who needs our prayers tonight. He is under the weather, <clears throat> and I want to encourage you to lift him up as we will here in the studio as well to pray for our good friend and our partner. Uh, here in the, in the uh, broadcast and pray for Jacob. He's uh, struggling a little bit. Uh, maybe uh, we're not sure there either. He'll be going in and see the doctors in the morning, but uh, he's thinking it might be a little bit of food poisoning or something like that. But uh, anyway, uh, pray for Jacob. He's kind of 
kept uh, things going here for me the last couple of weeks as I was struggling with the voice difficulties. And, and uh, it, th- those came just at a time when the holidays, uh, Christmas, New Year's were on us. And every time I, I, would, I, I did enjoy it as well, not only being able to uh, rest my voice and get well, but also spend time with the family during those those particular times. Uh, but he held down the fort for us, and now here I am. We're going to do the same tonight and pray that the Lord will restore him as well. Uh, our reading schedule this week took us uh, through the book of Matthew. I'm, I'm sorry, through, yeah, finish the, that's right, finishing the book of Matthew, uh, chapters 20 through 28, or 26 through 28. And then we've begun now, picked up this past week in our week reading schedule with the fourth book of Moses, the fourth book of the Tanakh, of the, Tanakh, of the Torah, the Pentateuch, uh, whatever you might call it, the books of, the, of Moses, the books of the law. Uh, called the Book of Numbers, and uh, of course, the it is given that name because of the two census. Are they called sensi? Or, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that were taken in the book early on in the Book of Numbers, and then later at the end of the book as well. These two national senses are counting of the men uh, of uh, adult battle age, twenty years and older, in among the people of Israel. So. <clears throat> We see that taking place in the book of Numbers. We'll get into it uh, this evening a bit, and uh, maybe you have a question or a thought or something you'd like to bring up about it. I am still a little bit back in my mindset, in my thoughts. I'm still a little bit back in the Gospel of Matthew as well because, of of course, at the end of the years, we approach the time of um, Christmas where we observe and celebrate and honor the birth of Jesus of Nazareth, um, th- this is uh, it, it's a time when I, to me I, I I love the time of Christmas, but also just to kind of think through the Gospel of Matthew. That's when we turn back from the the Tanakh, the Hebrew Scriptures, and we turn to the New Testament and we talk about this individual named Jesus of Nazareth, this first century Jewish rabbi. Uh, who claimed to be the long-awaited, promised, predicted Messiah of Israel, and uh, and of course even broader than that, uh, Israel in, in the national sense of the people, the limited people group of Israel, the, the uh, descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and so on. <clears throat> but not only the Messiah, the Redeemer, but the Savior of the world, uh, which is was the theme of of uh, the Jewish faith. It was the theme of the of the God's revelation of Himself to uh, all through the Hebrew Scriptures, from the very very beginning in the Garden of Eden, uh, even then to Adam and Eve, to Noah, to later on to um, to uh, Moses or uh, Abraham, and then later to Moses as the people of uh, as that particular people group spread and, and multiplied. Uh, God continued to use them as an instrument of revelation of himself to all the people of the world. So the theme of uh, the scriptures was never just simply about a a tiny little uh, people group. It was about God's redemptive plan for all of humanity. It was about God revealing himself uh, and his his purpose 
<clears throat> for human beings and for the human race to the entire nations, all the nations of the world, to the entire uh, human population, <clears throat> with the purpose of drawing out of the human race a people for himself. I will be their God. They will be my people. So when we turn to <clears throat> the book of Matthew, then, uh, as you know, and it says Jacob covered in the theme of that gospel, uh, math, each of the four gospels have a, a, a basically a theme and a... a um, an approach to talking about Jesus. Uh, they are not a. They are not intended to be uh, just simply a history, a um, a history that, that that each of them follow. I mean, there are elements that are the same. Each of the uh, gospels come to us that way. Uh, their elements are the same, some of the elements, but some of the emphasis are, are different from one gospel to the other. Uh, they are more like portraits of Jesus, not just historical presentations. Uh, each of the authors have a point of view. Each of the authors has uh, a primary audience in mind, and each of them has a primary message. And uh, the message that we see reflected consistently in, in the Gospel of Matthew is presenting Jesus as the king, Jesus as indeed that long-awaited, predicted Jewish Messiah, Savior, Redeemer, uh, and uh, presenting him to the people of Israel, to the Jewish people of that era, that time, and, and of course throughout the centuries now, and uh, through them uh, as well, presenting them in that context, that he is fulfilling that role to be the Redeemer, Savior, uh, that it broadens the uh, boundaries of Israel. In other words, uh, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is worshipped uh, around the world now by, by millions and over the centuries and even billions of people who have come to faith uh, in and come to recognize and acknowledge the true and living God, the one, the creator God of the universe, the God of the Bible as presented, and that God, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so Jesus of Nazareth, in essence, has brought uh, just millions and billions of human beings into the worship of, of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, of Jehovah. And, um, <clears throat> and that was the intent and purpose, as we see it reflected throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, and we see that come to fruition in the life of Jesus. Now, uh, Jesus' earthly story, as we began uh, looking at the Gospel of Matthew uh, early in, in December, uh, kind of middle of December as we approach the time of Christmas, uh, his earthly story began in the town of Bethlehem uh, in a Roman province there of Judea. A, a, th a threat, remember the threat of Herod the king uh, to kill the infant king. He got rumors that there was a king born, a two-year-old and so on. And this led him to lead a slaughter of infants. The two-year-old male children were began to be killed uh, for political purposes uh, on the part of Herod. And so Joseph and his family, Mary, uh, they went to they fled down into Egypt we learn early on in the gospel of Matthew uh when they returned uh, some years later when it was safe and able to come back they settled in the little town of Nazareth which is which was really almost um 
almost an insult. I mean, Nazareth was a tiny little know-nothing. Now, Bethlehem, the city which he had been born, in which Jesus had been born, was the city of David. Uh, it was the city of David's birth, if you look back in the Hebrew Scriptures earlier on. Uh, and uh, it, it was a city with some honor. It had... Uh, it had uh, it had uh, uh, a good economy. It was stable and not huge, but uh, but still uh, Nazareth, on the other hand, was a city that that people looked down upon to some extent. I remember that when someone someone said that we we found the Messiah uh, in Nazareth and he said, could anything could any good thing come out of Nazareth? Uh, and, and you remember that the, the story one of the response of one of the uh, the disciples early on. Uh, so he, but they settled in Nazareth, uh, led by God to settle there. And uh, that also was almost everything Jesus did. And al- almost every detail of his life was the fulfillment of some prediction in the old Testament, in the Tanakh about the Messiah, where he would live, what kind of ministry he would exercise, the different aspects of his ministry. There's so many hints and allusions to it, uh, to him in his life, not only direct verbal allusions to, uh, Jesus in details of his life, but also there were a lot of, um, what you'd call dramatized, uh, expressions, uh, fulfillments of dramatized uh, prophecies. Uh, as we look at the the tabernacle that we read about in the book of, of Leviticus and, in, and now in Numbers, we're going to see that um, the tabernacle was full of imagery and, and um, uh, pictures of God and his redemptive plan for humanity and so on. And so many of those pointed faithfully toward a redeemer, a savior, a sacrifice, uh, the shedding of blood, and so on. And, and that's why John the Baptist called Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, uh, perhaps referring to him in the, in the sense of Yom Kippur, the, the, the atonement lamb. So we see these, this imagery of Jesus of being fulfilled. Now, I was just looking at something earlier. If I can find it tonight, uh, I read a passage from Psalm 107, and... Um, I noticed, isn't this interesting? Uh, In Psalm 107, I have not noticed this before. It talks about people who are redeemed, people whom God has redeemed. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures uh, forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others he has redeemed you from his enemies. For he has gathered the exiles from many lands. And so it goes on to talk about the exiles. And some wandered in the wilderness, lost and homeless, hungry, and so on. He led them straight to safety, to a city where they could live. Let them praise the Lord for his great love, for the wonderful things he has done. And then he says, was some sat in darkness and deepest gloom, imprisoned in in iron chains of misery. They rebelled against the words of God, scorning the counsel of the Most High. And, and and they were broken with hard labor. They fell, and no one was there to help them. Lord, help, they cried out in their trouble. 
and he saved them from their distress. So it goes on to talk about some sitting in darkness and deepest gloom and those imprisoned in chains of, of misery, of addictions, and so on, chains to bondage to sin and selfishness. And he liberated them. And then, uh, and of course, remember Jesus talking about he has come to free the, the, those who are in bondage, to free those. Liberty and freedom were such a tremendous theme that Jesus brought to his ministry. Uh, from this text in Psalm 107, we see uh, uh, celebrating the redemptive plan of God and, and the role the Messiah would have. He says, some were fools. They rebelled and suffered for their sins. They made bad decisions. They just made constantly bad decisions and got into trouble. And uh, he sent out his world. He sent out his word and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. Let them praise the Lord for his great love. So he's just kind of going through a roll call of the different kinds of people and the different kinds of problems and distress uh, and misery that people can uh, come into in our world and how that uh, Messiah, how that God redeemed them and saved them. But I want to bring, I noticed this one. Uh, in the next group, he says, um, some went off to the sea in ships, plying the trade routes of the world. Uh, maybe they're, you know, they're looking for wealth and an adventure uh, and so on. They, too, observed the Lord's power in action, his, his impressive works on the deepest seas. Uh, he spoke and the winds rose and stirred up the waves. Their ships were tossed to the heavens and plunged again to the depths. The sailors cringed in terror. They reeled and staggered like drunkards and were at their wits' end. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble. And he saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm to a whisper and stilled the waves. What a blessing was that stillness as he brought them safety into harbor. Um, th- this, I, I, I couldn't... As I read this uh, earlier today and part of another study I was doing, I thought, wow, that must have been what Peter had in mind whenever Jesus took them on that little boat ride across the Sea of Galilee and they got caught in that storms. And he said, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? And so we see again, uh, like in this picture from Psalm 107, we see this picture of the Messiah, of his, of some aspect, some characteristic of his ministry, his redemptive plan and how he reached out to people and brought people out of bondage and slavery and out of loneliness and, and uh, addictions and so on. And uh, I, I love that particular passage. And I could see that predicting and, and previewing even this. And you can see this experience of Jesus on the Sea of Galilee when he calmed the sea in, in the storm. Uh, you can see it reflected there in the gospel uh, in, in the Psalms 107. So that's what Matthew's particular bent was. Matthew was talking about presenting Jesus now. Uh, Matthew's Hebrew name was Levi, uh, and he is presenting Jesus to the people of Israel uh, I've often said, I, I, I don't believe we don't have anywhere reflected in the scriptures that Jesus came to start a new religion. He didn't. Uh, he was a devout, devoted uh, worshiper of Jehovah, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He was a devout, uh, uh, practicing uh, Jewish man who followed and obeyed the laws of, of God, not the laws of men. Uh, but the laws of God and, and the Tanakh and the scriptures. He taught the uh, Torah. He, he kept the Torah himself. And uh, 
as Jacob often reminds us, he, he frankly is the only one seen to be getting it right, living in an era when when the Hebrew people and all, most of the people of the world were living under the thumb of the Roman Empire, and they were there was a, a great deal of corruption uh, in the even in Israel, even in the spiritual, in the religious aspect of the nation. The uh, there was corruption. There they were buying uh, the priesthood was being bought and sold. The people were, um, the, the faith was being corrupted. And of course, that's the time in which Jesus comes in and speaks uh, against that cor- that corrupted leadership uh, and the corruption of the worship of uh, of Jehovah himself there in the temple in Jerusalem. So uh, it sees, you see a lot of the problems that Jesus ran into and you understand them better when we understand the, the complexity of the life uh, that the people of Israel were experiencing. So Matthew is about presenting Jesus as the king, as the redeemer, as the Messiah, and is full of predictions. Um, he he lived there in, in uh, Nazareth when he was 20 years old, uh, about 30 years old, I'm sorry. Uh, Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. He was by his second cousin, John the Baptist, because he was a Levite, because that was the proper thing to way to uh, launch his ministry was to go to the Levites. And, and uh, John the Baptist was the son of uh, uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth. His parents were both Levites. And he. And so Jesus said, we must do all things uh in order and correctly, according to Scripture, and he was baptized there in the Jordan by his Levite cousin, and then he was tempted by Satan there. We read the uh, record of his temptation in the uh, uh, wilderness in the Judean desert there. Uh, he set up his base operations and base of operations in Capernaum, up in Galilee, up in the north, not in Judea, <coughs> in the south. <coughs> Excuse me. So that um, he, and that also was predicted that he would set his his kingdom up uh, in in the northern part of the kingdom of the nation of Israel, and he ministered throughout Israel though going and making several trips down into uh, Judea down to Jerusalem. Uh, throughout Israel, telling parables, as was predicted, that he would teach with parables, teaching about God's kingdom, healing the sick. Uh, he had healing in his hands, and, of course, that was predicted as well. The lame would walk, the blind would see. Uh, he traveled to the region of, of the Gadarenes on the um, on the east side of the Jordan, of the Sea of Galilee, uh, healed two demon-possessed men uh, that we read about there, fed over 5,000 people uh, with five loaves and two fish. Uh, we read about here in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 14. Uh, healed the sick in Gennesaret, ministered to the Gentiles in Tyre and Sidon. Uh, he visited Caesarea Philippi, where Peter declared him to be the Messiah. And then he began to more more directly, more overtly predict uh, and tell who he was. Uh, at the beginning of his ministry, he spoke uh, a great deal in parables. Uh, he was guarded, a little more guarded, probably because he was um, not wanting to provoke unnecessarily uh, his um, 
the death that he knew that uh, increasingly he came to understand was going to be his role as the Messiah to die and to take the punishment of, of the sin of the world upon himself. Uh, but at the beginning of his ministry, he was more guarded. He spoke, spent time with the disciples, uh, spent a great deal of time investing in them, uh, teaching them and equipping them. Uh, enabling and uh, and making them able to understand who he was, what he was doing, particularly when he was gone after his death and resurrection and when the Spirit of God came to begin his role in the redemptive plan of God in terms of his um, indwelling role in the people of God in, in, uh, that took place after Messiah had finished his role, after Jesus had successfully completed his work, uh, not only as the atonement lamb purchasing our freedom, but also as the as the perfect man, the firstborn of the twice born, in his role as Messiah, Jesus became the the um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for when you have uh, the prototype? Yes, uh, Jesus became the firstborn. He was the 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 last Adam, as we're told in the New Testament. He became the prototype of. The believer in the new era of the uh, the Holy Spirit, Jesus continually he began to teach his disciples. I'm I'm going to go. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be killed. Uh, I am the Messiah. More directly pronouncing that truth uh, directly without uh, without foreshadowing or hinting at it, just directly claiming uh, to be the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior, the Redeemer. And then he said, I would be killed and I will be raised from the dead. After three days, I will rise. And he talked to them about, uh, I've got to go away. I've got to leave. Why? So the Father will send the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and we begin a new era, a time in the redemptive plan of God, as it, and it would explode out of Jerusalem, across Judea, uh, across the, the known world of that era, across the Roman Empire, exploded this message of God's love, of God's uh, mercy, of God's provision for sin and forgiveness, and that is what we see in the book of Matthew. He presents it with the, to the people of Israel so that they can see that the, the redemptive plan of God that they knew about from the Tanakh, the Hebrew Scriptures, was indeed taking place, and uh, that Jesus was indeed that one who had come now to fulfill and, and to uh, accelerate the plan of God to draw out a people for himself from all the nations of the world. That's uh, kind of a synopsis of the Gospel of Matthew. We'll talk a little bit more about it in a moment, about what is the relationship then of the Messiah now to the Hebrew people, the Hebrew message, uh, the scriptures. That's part of what we're talking about here in uh, the Bible Live broadcast as well. If you have something to add, something you'd like to share, 340-9585. We'll be right back. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Have you seen a family divided over property after losing a loved one? 
Have you known someone who spent months or years fighting in court to receive the property that was left to them? Unfortunately, I often see families fighting in probate court. Wouldn't you like to avoid this situation? I'm Charlie Weisinger, board-certified estate planning attorney with Weisinger Law Firm. At Weisinger Law Firm, we can help you put a plan in place that avoids probate so your loved ones never have to set foot in a cold courtroom. Many times that plan includes a living trust. Let my team help you achieve peace through planning to ensure your family won't be stuck fighting it out in court. Just call 210-308-0800 and we'll help you get a plan in place. We're located just north of San Antonio in Selma, Texas. So call me, Charlie Weisinger, at 210-308-0800. That's 210-308-0800 or weisingerlawfirm.com. Weisinger Law Firm, peace through planning. Hey, this is Bob Olszewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. Summertime, good-looking women, and small-town living are just a few of the things that show up on Luke Bryan's sixth album, What Makes You Country. Other songs, however, delve into perhaps a less familiar Luke Bryan topic, the heart of fatherhood. We hear wistful wisdom as well as stories about putting down roots and investing in relationships that matter. Might not have been you, but I ain't judging, just be proud of what makes you country. That said, the singer's not quite ready to let go of tunes that exalt excess in the form of wild nights and hard drinking for any old reason. So I'm giving What Makes You Country a two and a half out of five for family friendliness. For the full review, be sure to visit us at PluggedIn.com slash radio. I'm Bob Olaszewski for Focus on the Families Plugged In. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. Listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar, and we are back. Thank you for joining us this evening. Uh, Jacob is not with me this evening, and I know I miss him sorely. He uh, he is such a great help and a great great insights, and we love to kind of bounce off of each other when we look at, particularly when we look go uh, back to the go to the New Testament, and we talk about. Um, the birth of Yeshua, Bethlehem, and so on. We talk about the role of the Messiah. Uh, Hebrew, Jacob brings that, that Hebrew-Jewish perspective of the Scriptures, which is so so enriching to our lives. I tell him quite often, I say, Jacob, you're doing what what the people of Israel were called to do, to help us, uh, us Gentiles, help introduce us to the true and living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and be a faithful witness and help us to understand uh, the Scriptures. Uh, 
the, this incredible book. It's not a magic book. You don't just put your finger down and all of a sudden it it tells you. But it's it's certainly supernatural in every sense of the word. Uh, the, the predictions, the um, the the consistency. You take this. Uh, from Genesis all the way to Malachi, the, the Tanakh, the Hebrew Scriptures, and then, of course, starting with Matthew and uh, the Gospels in the New Testament and, the, and on, all the way to the book of the, the Revelation. All 66 different books written over a period of uh, something like 1,500 years. Can you imagine that? One book uh, written over all that period of time by uh, about 40 different authors. Some of them are rich, some of them poor. There were times of famine, times of war, times of peace, uh, all different kind of times and situations, all different people. There were farmers, there were uh, kings and lawyers and preachers, and then there were fishermen, and there were um, people who wrote scriptures from the throne room up in the palace, and uh, there are others that wrote scriptures from the uh, palace dungeon down in the basement. Uh, it was so many different situations uh, and times during a 1,500-year period, and and yet there is this consistency of message and a, of worldview, of perspective, uh, about hundreds of complicated, complex, even controversial topics. And the scriptures have this consistency of message from beginning to end. So that there's certainly supernatural uh, an aspect to the scriptures. And, of course, you, you look at all the predictions, uh, uh, not only the messianic uh, predictions about the Messiah, the predictions about uh, this one who would come, starting in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Uh, even there in the very Garden of Eden, there's the first uh, verbal a prediction of the Redeemer. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. In other words, the, the Messiah is not going to be an extraterrestrial. He's not going to be a uh, an animal from the animal kingdom. The Messiah is going to be a human being of the male of the species. And so it would be a man, uh, we're told there. And, and he the uh, characteristic of his ministry, would he, he would be wounded by the enemy. Uh, he, and he's and speaking here to uh, Satan, who um, manifested himself and, and helped lead and tempt Cain and Abel, I mean Adam and Eve to sin. Uh, he said, he's going to undo the harm that you've done to my creation. He's going to crush your head, although he will be bruised, you will bruise his heel. And the, just this kind of a faint description of what the Messiah, the Redeemer, will be like. This is hundreds of years before, uh, many, many hundreds of years before Messiah came and so we have that that first hint there was also the first uh the first um, what we'd call uh, dramatized prediction of the messiah uh that would come there in the tanakh in the in the opening chapters of 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 genesis we see that uh when adam and eve did indeed yield to the temptation and uh, uh disobey god's directive to them uh, they indeed did die. He said, in the day that you eat of that tree, you shall die. You shall. In other words, spiritually, they, they, they became separated from God, who was their life. Their spiritual, spiritual isolation from God, that separation is, is death. Death uh, in the scriptures often is spoken of as a separation 
uh, when the body dies, and Soapy Dollar were to die tonight, here on the radio, the, you know, my spirit, the the non-material, the soul would separate from the body and would have a dead body, uh, and that's the idea. And, and so they they suffered uh, isolation. They were the relationship with God uh, that uh, God had created them for was broken, and yet. Uh, immediately there was the message of the possibility of restoration, of coming by repentance and by asking forgiveness and receiving by faith the forgiveness of God and his grace, then they could have that relationship restored. Uh, And and we see that right there in that promise of Messiah. But also remember that when Adam and Eve fell into sin, uh, immediately something happened. Uh, they, They discovered... Uh, their their nakedness, their vulnerability. They they took on the blame game, blaming each other for uh, Adam blaming Eve and Eve blaming the serpent and so on. And remember, God covered their shame and their nakedness with the skins of animals. Uh, they tried it with a fig leaf, but uh, God showed them that no, in this case, uh, to make up th- to make this right, there would have to be the shedding of blood. There will have to be uh, a sacrifice needed to be made, and we see that, of course, right there, a, a foreshadowing of the fact that without the shedding of blood, there is no re- remission of sin, according to the t- the Hebrew scriptures, and and uh, and the soul that sins that shall die. That the the wages or the consequence of sin in the human race would be spiritual death. And so we, we see that message and we see it and we see it worked on out now as we see the, the sacrificial system of, for the people of Israel. Even Cain and Abel. Uh even Cain and Abel uh, Abel knew what lamb uh, that he was to bring a lamb. Abel knew that that was the sacrifice and they they had understood that. Uh, and, and so th- this this message is there. They kept it. They walked with it. They lived with it. Uh, the tradition and the message of God was passed on from generation to a generation. In the in, we see in the God, in the book of Genesis um, through through oral tradition passed on and finally written down by Moses. Uh, in as the people wandered in the wilderness after the uh, after they had been delivered from Egypt, the forty years of wandering. So uh, all of that is all of that feeds into. The New Testament, all of that feeds into now. It has all come to fruition. It's, the time has passed. The, the the way has been prepared. And now in this pivotal moment, according to uh, the Apostle Paul, this converted Jewish rabbi from the uh, first century, uh, Paul says that in the right time, in just the right moment, God sent forth his son. In the, the the letter he wrote to the believers in Galatia, the book, the book of Galatians, in the right time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, a Jewish man, just as he had promised it would be. And uh, he carried out that that role. He successfully fulfilled the role of the of Messiah, the the second Adam. He perf- He lived out that perfect life of faith and trust and obedience to the father as a man. As a man, he did that. He was a man of faith, and he walked it out to the end. He took every temptation that that the enemy could throw at him, uh, all the way up to a cyclone ten level. You know, usually Soapy Dollar gives into sin somewhere around the two or three level, and then, or if I don't, you know, maybe the the enemy the enemy increases the. Uh, 
intensity of the temptation, maybe to a four or five, and and then I give in. You know, I fall to, and, and I have to ask the Lord forgiveness and strength and God, and He does. He restores us, and I try to move forward. But Jesus, in His role of Messiah, took every sin, every temptation. Every attack the enemy could bring at him, and he brought it. He took it all the way up to the highest in ten, number ten storm level. He never gave into it. He never uh, gave into the temptation of selfishness uh, and sin. He continued to walk under the yoke of total dependence and trust and obedience to the Father. And then he who knew no sin, said Peter, became sin for us. And so that's that's the role that Matthew is laying out for the people of Israel. Over 60% of the book of Matthew uh, is actually the direct quotes, the the teaching, the preaching words of Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, so we, we get to hear him speak about his own life, about his ministry, about the redemptive plan of God, and, and the, even in the times in which he was living. And uh, we'll get to some of that. If you'd like, I have a phone call. Let me go to it. Is our caller still with us, John? Uh, I kind of waxed eloquent there. Let me go and see if I can bring, uh, I think it's Victor who's on the line with us. Are you with me, Victor? Yes, sir. I would hear you. Good so, to hear your voice. I'm I'm sounding a little bit more like you tonight with that deep, lovely <laughs> voice. Uh, well, I was just going to compliment you on doing such a great job. And I know you're hurting, <laughs> and, and, and I didn't even think you would come on the air if you're that way, but there you are. Well, I, I'll and tell you I, the truth. I'm not actually – there isn't a lot of pain involved. It's just this it's stressful on the voice. That I, <laughs> yeah. you know, I hear myself, and I think, oh, I hope – you know, sometimes when I hear someone on the radio or something that has a sore voice, it kind of makes me uncomfortable because I feel bad for them. And I'm kind of hoping not to make you folks feel bad. <laughs> no, it's a great. I, I enjoy every time you come on and you run the show by yourself because there's no interruption. <laughs> and, Thanks, Pete. But, but Sophie, I, I more or less had a question. Uh, I, I, I don't know if it's going to go too far away from what you're teaching. No, that's that's but, perfectly fine. Well, let's go for You know. Sometimes when I'm speaking to people about Jesus and that, and and maybe they're not born again, or uh-huh. or maybe they're not, uh, you know, too much into the Word, and they always come up and ask me about, you know, like the children at St. Jude's? Yes. And how, how can that be, and how can that happen, and how do you, how do you explain that? Give me a little more detail, Victor. Uh, are you talking well, about like, the St. Jude's Hospital where these young children are yeah. taken care of without... Yeah, because what I'm getting at is here I am, I'm almost 80 years old, uh-huh. and here's these little children that are dying of cancer and they don't even, you know, they haven't even begun to live. Yes, I understand. And, and, I, and I don't know how really to answer that. Yes, yeah, I, 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 now I see exactly what you mean. Uh, and uh-huh. I understand. I, I understand that it's problematic and that people think uh, that it's, oh, it is, it is complicated. And yet I, I think that it's hard to dis- we have to get outside of the human bubble 
uh, Victor, I think, a little bit. We've got to get outside of our human existence of life. Our, you know, we're, we're born, you know, we, we cry, and the doctor fa- uh, smacks us on the fanny, and we cry, and we breathe, and we start our life. And, and then, you know, uh, you and I both have grandchildren, and we, we watch them grow, and they get in, and then uh, maybe they get a, a flu, or they, maybe they get some illness, and we take care of them, and we guard them, and we we yeah. hope we can protect them from the traffic. You know, don't walk, look both ways on the street, and 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 and, and yet we know that this world, uh, this life that we have, this physical life, uh, is not ultimate reality. It is not. It is not the ultimate. Our life yeah, is far more than that. We are spiritual beings. We are not our yeah. bodies, and we're not limited to just this. We know that uh, that we are much more than just uh, you know the highest, uh, the top of the uh, pecking order of the animal kingdom. Uh, we are a unique race of beings created with the with the spiritual uh, core. At our very core, we we are spiritual beings, and. And we were intended to live in a relationship forever with God, our Creator. So, uh, whatever happens to us in this life and in this, in this world, and as you know, Victor, a bullet turn, doesn't turn into a marshmallow just because it's headed toward a believer or toward an innocent child. Or uh, bad things happen to good people. Uh, yeah. Many of uh, many believers and followers of Christ were have suffered uh, martyrdom and been uh, persecuted. Many good people have suffered, and, and a lot of times, good things happen to bad people, uh, terribly yeah. wicked people. And so, uh, we can't take what happens. We live the setting of our life is a close. We live in a closed system here on planet Earth. Uh, what I mean by closed system, it basically is ruled only. Uh, our world is ruled only by morally neutral natural laws like gravity and thermodynamics and uh, yeah. these laws. And, and if we jump off of a building, no matter if we're a believer, if we jump off a 10-story building, uh, we're going to fall and we're going to crash and we're going probably we're going to suffer the consequences. Uh, it doesn't matter if we're a believer or not. So the idea is we live in a closed system. Uh, ruled only by morally neutral natural laws, and good and evil coexist. So good things happen, bad things happen, and uh, and I don't know how to explain it, but I do know that Jesus' uh, heart was broken for the sick, for the needy. Uh, he reflected a deep, deep concern, and I think believers in general, Jacob talked about this last week. I remember in his program, he talked about he was in Arizona traveling, and he saw a family uh, that somehow had gotten dispossessed of their home, maybe uh, uh, put out of their home and so on. I don't know if you heard his story there, but, he, he you know, he just had compassion. There was children involved in, uh, over there. And so he went to – he just went as a man to a local congregation. I think it was uh, – if I remember correctly, he said it was a Presbyterian church that he passed near his hotel. And he told them about it. And the next thing you know, that they they had been picked up. They were not there, and he and he was certain. He felt certain that the people of the church responded. They went and they got them, and they took those children and took care of them and gave them a place to stay and got them out of the cold. And that should be a reflection, I think, not only from the life of Jesus, but we as his followers. That's that's we. That's why we give to 
places like St. Jude's and, and to hospitals that take care of the sick and the needy and the naked and the, uh, you know, the imprisoned. We visit yeah. them in the jail and all. So I don't think we can, you know, the, the uh, yeah, it, it's part of our reality is that bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen even to innocent people. But there yeah. is so much greater if we could only pull back the curtain and realize uh, the beauty, the, the the wonderful plan that God has for his people. Uh, uh, th- there's a passage in the New Testament that says, uh, I has not seen nor has ear heard the wonders, the glory that God has prepared for those who love him. And so yeah. God's ultimate plan for us is not just this world. The worst thing you can do to a human being is not take his physical life, uh, it's to steal his soul, lose your soul, in fact. And so it, it's a hard one. I get you, Victor. I, I hear you yeah. in our yeah. hearts. And, and I think that we as believers should be part of the solution in those, such, if we can, you know, to the degree we can. So be, Go ahead. Uh, I bet you, I think it was in 82 when you were with Walker. Yes, yes. I, it, it was back then I was trying to buy a car from you. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's I do remember Victor now. I thank you for reminding me of that. We've talked about it before. Yeah, David yeah. Uh, David and I, Pastor Walker and I are still very close friends. Uh he and his wife Shirley with Suzanne and I and uh well, in fact we had lunch not too long ago and just kind of yeah. renewed and it, thought about all the good things Sophie, God has done. <laughs> yes. Sophie, I haven't I haven't seen you since then. Wow. Have you changed much? No, sir. I'm just as I'm just as <laughs> handsome and no. Not, oh, well, I've, okay, I've, well. got a, I've got a few more gray hairs, my dear friend. But I'm so oh, glad yeah. to hear from you. I remember you well, and I've always admired that gravelly voice of yours. <laughs> and I'm good to oh. hear from you, Victor. God bless well, you, my well. brother. All right, thank you, sir. You bet, friend. Take care of yourself. Yeah. Well, I, bye. Love hearing from Victor, and uh, you can give us a call as well, 340-9585, 340-9585, talking about uh, the, uh, we're kind of using the Gospel of Matthew as our anchor tonight as we kind of finish out this consideration of the role of the Messiah, the role of the Redeemer. Now, uh, and, and then, of course, now we're going back to the pickup. We left the, the people of Israel. They come out of Israel. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. They've come out of Egypt uh, following Moses. And now they've uh, spent their time at the base of Mount Sinai. And they have built the portable worship center called the Tabernacle, uh, God's manifest presence in the midst of his people. And it tells them when to break camp and when to make camp. And and they begin their journey up to the promised land uh, that God had promised to their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And as we'll see in the book of Numbers now, uh, we just have gotten started. We've gotten uh, about 10 chapters into the book of Numbers in the the Hebrew scriptures, the Tanakh, and we see that it's called numbers because of this uh, this census that is taken. They 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 get ready for battle. They're ready to go into the promised land, and so they count the men of war. The the uh, it comes up to six hundred and thirty thousand or so uh, adult males of twenty years of age and over, and uh, preparing now to enter the promised land. But when they get there, they fail the test. They don't have the courage. They don't have the faith to enter into the promised land. 
And so they pull back, and uh, they then are relegated. Uh, God says they're going to spend uh, the 40 years now. They're going to spend a generation in the wilderness wondering. They aren't able to enter into the promised land uh, until that generation uh, of males that fail that test die away. And so we're going to wait now 40 years for another generation to come along, and then there'll be another census taken at the end of the book of Numbers. Uh, the book of Numbers, though, tracks them as they move through uh, through the wilderness, those 40 years, and the lessons that they are learning. Uh, and Jacob could add so much to more to our understanding because there is an actually itinerary. There's a travel uh, report given there in the book of Numbers where all the places they went, and every place has a lesson attached to it. Uh, for us now, as we wander in and travel through this wilderness, uh, Victor was just talking about, there's a beautiful picture for us in the wanderings in the, in the wilderness, is that, that they were called upon to, to God's presence was in their midst, and they were called upon to faithfully obey him and follow him and trust him and grow in their understanding of God so that they were able to enter on into the promised land. And some liking that picture, uh, they they see the picture there of us as believers in this world. We live in a world where good and evil coexist. Everything is not perfect. We're still growing. We're still learning as God's people. <clears throat> We're making that decision to come out of the bondage to sin and, and and selfishness, and we are coming into that relationship with God and. And then we're growing. We're learning uh, the Holy Spirit now dwells among us. He tabernacles with us. He indwells us as God's people now. And we we can learn lessons uh, now as we go through this world. It's a, a time of training and preparation for entering into glory, entering into the full inheritance of our redemption through Jesus the Messiah. And so some people see some likeness between the time that they spend in the wilderness and some bad things happened to the people of Israel in the wilderness. Uh, they were attacked by enemies. There were illnesses. There were plagues. There were a famine. They were hunger. But God met their needs faithfully, continued to walk with them. He dwelt in their midst and protected them and guided them and offered him, them his direction. And they could walk by faith in his presence and experience his provision for their lives in the same way that we can today. Even as we walk through this wilderness, we can walk as men and women of faith. We can walk in victory. We can see God do great, wonderful acts of uh, provision and protection in our lives and guiding us until we, too, are ready to cross the river and enter into the full inheritance of our of our redemption uh, in, in what is called heaven. Uh, and so there's a beautiful picture for us in in, uh, in this redemptive plan, but it takes place here on planet Earth. And maybe you have a question as, about that as well. Victor has really isolated one of the more difficult questions that, that people ask about the redemptive plan of God. I, I know those who don't know the Lord, they, they, they will often uh, think that, well, the, the worst thing that can possibly happen to a human being is to lose his physical life. And yet we're, we're told very clearly in, in Scripture, and Jesus himself points out that uh, what if we gain the whole world but lose our soul? We were not created simply and entirely for this earthly existence. We are more than just this human body. Uh, we go. We are told clearly in Scriptures. Now, we can't, we can't prove it definitively, uh, I think in every race of humanity and every people group around planet Earth, 
there is this understanding, there is this uh, intuition that we are more than just physical beings, that there, the God has placed and planted eternity in our hearts. Uh, men everywhere, from every people group, every race, every tribe, every language group throughout history have always looked beyond the grave. Even O Job, the oldest book in the Bible, if a man dies, shall he live again? And the whole point was that we've always understood and felt like that there's more to our life than just this physical life, that, that we go on, that we are we are spiritual beings and that we continue forward and that uh, even after this death is this life is over, and so that is the truth of the scriptures, and so we live this life in light of eternity. Uh, we take what God gives us, the years that He gives us, the time He gives us, the the treasure He gives us, the experiences He gives us, and we take that, we present it to Him, and we we try to walk uh, in harmony and oneness with Him, and a relationship growing spiritually and giving and loving others. Uh, giving ourselves away uh, to others, to their well-being and welfare, even as Christ did. That's one of the last things Jesus taught to his disciples is, as the Father sent me to to love and to give myself away and benefit of others and redemptive plan of God, even as the Father has sent me, he said, now I'm sending you. Go out there and give your life away. Love other people. Uh, don't just live for your selfish concerns and your selfish desires. Uh, love your family. Love your mother and father, your children. Your, those, you know, charity begins at home. Yes, we take care of those within the sphere of our home and family, and then it grows to our neighborhood and our friends and and teammates. And and in, to the extent that God gives us, we reach out and love to to people all over planet Earth. If God gives you that kind of a platform and that kind of opportunity, wherever we go. We share his love, we share his respect and dignity of man, and we share that message of redemption. You can have a confident, secure relationship with God. That is his plan for you. We'll come back and finish it up. Our last segment tonight, you can join with me, 340-9585. We're kind of doing a little bit of an overview, the Gospel of Matthew, and moving back to the Hebrew Scriptures. 340-9585. This is Pastor Ed Hernandez with Riverview Calvary Chapel in New Braunfels, hoping you join us for Riverview Radio, where you can hear verse-by-verse Bible teaching. That's Riverview Radio every Saturday morning at 11 and Sunday at 10, right here on AM 630, The Word. This is Scott Lane. And I'm Terry Reed. Join us for Believing the Bible, where we'll show you why it's important to believe the Bible from the first verse without compromise. Believing the Bible every Saturday afternoon at 145 here on AM 630 KSLR. Hey, this is Bob Olszewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. Summertime, good-looking women, and small-town living are just a few of the things that show up on Luke Bryan's sixth album, What Makes You Country. Other songs, however, delve into perhaps a less familiar Luke... You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are 
are back. Our final segment here on the Bible Live program. You can join us, 340-9585. I do want to say a special word of thanks to, uh, I got a number of uh, texts and emails and and uh, phone call, phone uh, voicemail messages, just um, showing concern and uh, compassion for a sore throat and everything uh, over the last couple of weeks. I just want to say thank you, folks. So many of you were able to write just a brief word and missed you on the air and uh, hope you get better and so on. And that really means a lot to me. Even uh, some uh, some folks that uh, happened to have contact during uh, those weeks just verbally even told me, hey, we missed you. I hope you're feeling better. And, uh, of course, that always always makes us feel good to be remembered and, uh, and, and uh, well-wishers uh, when we're in the time of uh, a little time of illness. And I really appreciate it. Thank you for those messages and for those um, uh, good wishes for for God's healing in my life. Now we're we're looking at the Gospel of Matthew. We finished it up this past week, the final chapters, and then we move back into the book of Numbers and the uh, Tanakh and the Hebrew Scriptures. And I'm just praying and trusting that Jacob can join us uh, next week. That he'll go over his little bout as well here of illness and be able to join me again back on the air. I, I miss so much his uh, particular input, particularly, I would say, with the Gospel of Matthew, because it was intended as a book <clears throat> to to present to the people of Israel, to the uh, Jewish people, uh, your Messiah, your Savior, uh, your King. And, uh, in fact, of course, we realize that uh, there was a great deal of corruption in the in the uh, religious world of in that first century time there in Jerusalem. Uh, even uh, you know modern Jewish leaders and rabbis know and recognize that time was a very troubled time for the people of Israel, and so uh, we know it was difficult, and they were kind of speaking into a vacuum in some cases. Uh, there was there's a, a lot of Jewish men and women who abandoned the faith and uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were not walking in obedience to it, and so on. Different motivations, even the even the, the religious. Uh, even the religious segment of the population there was divided and split. There was uh, conflict about how what do we do with this Jesus of Nazareth, and uh, some being uh, adamantly against and, and because uh, political reasons, economic reasons, whatever it might be, power reasons. Uh, others were very, very uh, respectful and admiring, and, and so it was a divided world and. Uh, and, and so Matthew is speaking here. He's trying to help the people of his, the, the Jewish people understand. Now, remember that he's building on the ministry. Even Jesus himself built on the ministry of John the Baptist. Uh, this uh, John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus. He came to prepare the way uh, for the Messiah, the Redeemer. He was uh, predicted as, as well in the book of Isaiah. Uh, he was this one who would come uh, and prepare the people to hear the message of redemption and to receive uh, their Redeemer, the Messiah. And um, he did it very effectively. John the Baptist was very successful uh, in terms of uh, uh, um, a ministry. He built up a very large following, a very successful following of ministry. Uh, uh, many people went out to the desert to hear him preach and, and to be baptized there and repentance of sins there in the Jordan River. And, and, and Jesus came along. And, and when Jesus came along, 
John the Baptist recognized him because God had given him a signal. Uh, God said that, you know, you, you as you're baptizing someone, you're going to, over one of these people, the, the Spirit of God is going to, uh, the Spirit of God is going to come down upon one of these people in the form of a dove. And there'll be a voice, and you'll hear my voice. And I will tell you, I would mark out to you who the Messiah is. And so when Jesus went out to be uh, baptized by his, as I said, second cousin, John the Baptist, indeed, that is what happened. Uh, we see, we hear the voice of the Father, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. We see the the, the Holy Spirit descending upon the, the Messiah, the Son of Man, Son of God. We see the Holy Spirit descending upon him in the form of a dove. And, and in, in other words, right there we see in place the three persons of the Godhead, uh, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, each manifesting their presence at the same time uh, and recognition and acknowledgement of the Messiah uh, and, and the Son of God who had taken on flesh now in his role of the Messiah, his role to win our redemption, to purchase our redemption by his perfect life of faith and trust and obedience to the Father and then uh, giving his life as a sacrifice for our sins. And so we see that take place uh, there. And then uh, G- John the Baptist turns his entire ministry over to Jesus. He says, he must increase, I must decrease. What an amazing, uh, that was a miraculous response that uh, not many, <laughs> a lot of pastors today in churches and ministries, uh, uh, would we be willing to turn off all, all of our financial support and all of our our, our, our uh, followers and loyal supporters and so on, we turn them over and say, go follow him. Send them follow, to follow someone else. Well, that's what exactly what John the Baptist did. And uh, so Jesus begins his public ministry there after his baptism. He goes through a time of uh, being tested by the enemy, by Satan there in the wilderness. And then he carries out. Uh, we have these these stories uh, from the book of Matthew. Now, most of them have to do. There's a lot of quotations from the Old Testament because he's referring to some of those prophecies, those predictions uh, that are there for us about the, the role and the kind of ministry that the Messiah would have. And and uh, so Matthew points those out. And like I said, 60 percent of the gospel is are indeed the words of Christ himself, his teachings, uh, his messages. And uh, we can learn so much and see so much uh, and learn so much from the from the Messiah as he teaches us about uh, the true and living God there as well. So let's uh, take a moment. Let's go and visit with another of our callers. Uh, Harold, I think, is on the line. I'm anxious to talk with Harold. I haven't talked with you since before Christmas. How did everything go? I know it. Yeah. How's everything with you also? I'm feeling you're, much better. I'm surviving the program tonight. My voice is a little stressed, but I'm 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 hoping it's not making you guys uncomfortable out there listening. Oh no. But no. Uh, at first when I first heard you I uh-huh. At first when I first heard your voice, I thought it was that other preacher that says, uh, you just think about that. That's what I thought. <laughs> right. A brown. Yeah, a brown. Yeah. I, I thought he was your guest for a minute. That's right. When you talk with him, like that deep voice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and well, my friend Victor just called. Victor is one of those gravelly voice kind of guys, too. But no, yeah. no, I I'll get back my squeaky little uh, tenor voice here pretty, pretty soon. But for the moment, I'm uh, walking wounded a little bit, but I sure am enjoying uh, I, I really enjoyed our trip through the Gospel of Matthew this year, 
and and then now we're going back and picking up at the book of Numbers. Tell me what happened over the holidays with you in terms of well, your growth in the Lord and your and your and your and your understanding of the Word and all. Anything special happened with you? Well, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you say we're in uh, Matthew, and I mentioned last week that. Pastor Kemp from Antioch Baptist Church is going to be at the temple last Friday night, and he was. And um, he ended up with, uh, there's a big sign up on the arch uh, that we have, and it says, uh, love thy neighbors as yourself. It's written right there, you know, love thy neighbor as yourself. And that's, of course, Matthew 22 Oh, 39. Love the Lord uh, your God. Well, the, love the Lord your God with your heart and mind and strength, and in your neighbor as yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Now, now, <clears throat> there's something strange that uh, happened. You know, my wife and I, uh, we went to gyms after that, and she kind of broke down a little bit and started saying, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. But sometimes we don't feel like ourselves. And so we run into people all the time, and if we're not at our best, we are not showing our best, and, you know, we're not going to be that, that good person. So the, so the thing is, you know, we can't be good all the time, but we have to love ourselves first. And, and, I mean, it's too hard to be good, you know, at be at, the, at our best all the time, because there's always something. There's a bill that comes in. Somebody's sick. <laughs> just, just, just. Life happens. But you know what? I gotta say, uh, true story. Saturday, uh, I, I was at work. I work at UT Health Science Center, and I was in a good place. And and I started. I was loading up the truck um, with some paint and stuff, and I started singing this song. You know, you know. Something like this, it goes, it's glory, glory, hallelujah, since I've laid my burdens down. And I started singing it again, and I walked around the side of the truck, glory, glory, hallelujah, I laid my burdens down. Uh And I looked up, and there's four students there, and I went, oh, my God, y'all heard me sing. (laughs) And they go, go, well, no, you sing really well. I said, well, okay, well, thank you, but I think it might have been the, the song. And so I got in the truck, and I realized that was a moment that I might have been at my best. I could have been real easily being mad about something, being remembering something that wasn't very good or tasteful, and I would have had four students at university, not university, but UTL Science uh-huh. Center where I work. And it was just, I go, God, please, thank God. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Well, you got to be thankful and for those uh, special times. That's good. I'm yeah, glad to hear that's yeah, a good that, report. Yeah, that uh, happened to me, and I was, I, you know, I need to have more moments like that in my life. They're a little bit too far, you know. Between oh Harold, but, give uh, yourself. Be kind to yourself. Some of the times we're harder on ourselves than we are. Uh, sometimes the hardest person to forgive. I was talking to a group of airmen this morning at the uh, basic trainees that sometimes the hardest person to forgive is ourselves. I mean, we're down. We're hard on ourselves. Yeah. We need to be uh, in the same way that that. I, I think that's that's the beauty of that passage you quoted is that that when we. Uh, when we discover how special God's grace and God's love and His patience with us, it, it just it just frees us and liberates us to live in freedom of fear and God loves us and it, and when that happens, uh, 
uh, the thing we want to do is we want to turn around and start treating other people with that same patience, with that same yeah. uh, grace. Well, I that do have mercy. something that yeah. mm-hmm. I, I do have something that happened this afternoon uh, where it showed my my kindness. I guess I was Good. sitting at Barnes and Noble about five o'clock today, and I had my new Bible out. Uh, Chuck Swindoll, you know, because he has his messages uh-huh. in there and prayers and stuff. Oh, wow. and I had an yeah, and uh, it's um, NLT also. And then I had the King James out and some other papers, and mainly just kind of thinking mostly. And there were these people next to me, and I think I got kind of heckled because they started singing, When the roll is called up yonder, that's one of those guys. Like, I go, oh, my God, I'm being, like, you know, I'm being teased a little bit yeah. because I'm this holy person or this person they imagine. Yeah. And I held myself back, and I wanted to say, well, aren't you going to heaven? You know? Uh-huh. But I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I just uh-huh. said, I've got to be good. i got to be good. You know? <laughs> but, but that was funny. But well, I if, that's if, that. if, that's the, if that's the extent of any... Uh, uh, a little jab or, you know, a little uh, jeering that you might get. Uh, who, know, yeah. who knows? Who knows? That was hand, a jab for sure. On the other hand, maybe they were having one of their good moments, like you were singing that song that they heard. Maybe they were having one of their good moments. <laughs> well, maybe they were having well, one of their good moments singing to you, huh? Well, that's a good way to turn it around, but let's, <laughs> let's look at it that way, maybe. Okay. Yeah. All right. Harold, okay, I'm glad well, to hear you, my huh? friend. Good. Thanks All for right. calling in tonight. All right. I'll try to think better next time. Oh, you do fine. You just do do great. Good to hear from Harold. You can call 340-9585. Maybe you have a thought about the holidays, how things went, about this Christmas season. Maybe there's some word in you about it. yeah, of course, quite often we're speaking of the redemptive plan of God. We talk about the big picture here, but uh, the the little picture is each of our individual lives. Uh, each each of us as individuals now, as we uh, come into uh, by faith, we we come into that confidence, secure relation with with the God of the universe, with the Creator. Uh, we we find peace with God, and we, we purpose and significance and meaning and and forgiveness and all of these wonderful things that we we long for in uh, that spiritual aspect of our lives. So we come into this new reality, this new walk with God, and uh, and then we have to start living it out. We start we now we start trying to walk out our faith uh and and some people often ask you know why is it that we why is god's plan why does he leave us here in this world why why don't we just uh why didn't he just take us on to heaven you know when we when we come to salvation we make that important decision uh, we come and surrender our heart and our lives to god to to uh follow God, obey God, respect God, uh, uh, love him, devote ourselves to the Lord. Uh, uh, why doesn't God just take us on home? Why are we left here in this situation? And the fact is, of course, we have a lot to learn still. This is a, a learning atmosphere. It's kind of like basic training. Uh, I, I know when we work with the uh, basic trainees out at Lackland, men and women going into the Air Force, you know, it's a time of testing and trial and preparation. And so maybe this is a, a time of testing and training for us, growing us up, uh, helping us to grow up into the likeness uh, of the Savior, learning some basic principles about God and reality of God and his ways uh, that we can begin our growth and spiritual growth here. Uh, of course, he could, which could just go on to be like the like the, like the thief on the cross beside Jesus. 
Uh, he died the, the same day he made his uh, profession of faith in Jesus. You know, uh, he said, "Today you will be with me in paradise." And, and uh, evidently, he came to faith and went on to be with God the same day he was born again. That he was redeemed. Um, that could happen and can happen in some situations, but generally God has chosen some for reasons uh, that we see clearly outlined in the scriptures. We are now, as God's children and God's people, we are now uh, spiritual Israel. God has left us here in the same way that he left Moses, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, and the people of Israel. Is the same way that he left them in that part of the world, in, in uh, that that land of Israel. He left that in that strategic little piece of real estate over there. He left this people group so that they could be a continual witness, so that they could be a continual light that would shine about the true and living God. They were surrounded, of course, by idolatry, by false gods and false religious systems that people would, men would mount to, to, to lord over other men and to control and, and, uh, 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 and, and gain power for themselves over other men. And, and false religions of every kind were all around them. And yet they were left there with the mandate to be with the purpose of God was going to work in them. If they would be faithful and follow him and trust him and obey him, he would bless them and use them and prosper them and use them to keep a, a, a uh, to, to lead others, to keep a, a witness of the true and living God before the people groups of the world. Even in that part of the world, surrounded by these idolatrous and uh, uh, um, false religions and so on. They were there to do that. Well, in the same way, God has left us now to continue to be a message, to continue to be a witness to the people of our world, of these generations, these hundreds of years that have passed now that uh, in the age and the era of the Holy Spirit. The people of God have been here to take the message of redemption and to keep, them, to keep reminding people that God loves them, that God desires them, that they are more than just a physical body, that they, those spiritual longings and desires that they feel and know that they are real and they are intended to be uh, fulfilled. You know, we are, it's not such an absurd situation like you're, uh, someone, I remember C.S. Lewis one talk, once talked about the uh, the gospel, uh, the idea of the existence of God. You know, there's this universal existence for spiritual truth and reality, purpose and meaning and significance in life and good and evil and, and righteousness and being holy and righteous. And, and we have a longing for that. And the, and the fact that universally humanity has that longing would would be would be absurd, almost absurd, says C.S. Lewis, as the idea of being thirsty in the world where there is no water. You know, that, just think how oh, how miserable, how uh, how wasteful, uh, meaningless that would be to to have thirst. Uh, but there's no nothing that exists called water. Well, that w- that's the how uh, how meaningless it would be. Here we have this universal longing for spiritual reality and truth and fulfillment, uh, and 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 yet there's nothing there. Uh, there's there's something to be said, I think, for that analogy. But uh, we have now 
we keep that message alive for our uh, fellow citizens, for people around us, for nations, groups, people groups around the world. We keep that message out there for new generations who are being born, who don't know, who need to hear how they can have a confident, secure relationship with God, and they need to see it in our lives. And in our unique experience, since since bullets don't turn to marshmallows whenever we we experience loss, we have disappointments, we are weak and fall and falter from time to time in our lives as well, many times. And and so, but when people can see our supernatural responses to life, when they can see us loving our neighbor as ourselves, when they can see us uh, not losing our temper and and you know being people who are generous instead of natural responses of anger and resentment and greed and and selfishness, they see us being selfless and loving and generous and kind to other even sacrificially, then that gives credence and credibility to that message when they see our supernatural responsibility our re- supernatural responses to life the harshness and the difficulties and the tragedies of life, uh, when we lose loved ones and when we have disappointments, uh, when they see those supernatural disappointments because of our relationship to God, it gives credence and credibility to our witness that there is a reality, there is a truth deeper than just this uh, life on planet Earth. And it, this this can be a delight here and a joy and an adventure, but it leads on to an eternal existence. And, and the purpose of God is to draw out an eternal people, an eternal family for himself. I will be their God. They will be my people. So that's part of the reason God leaves us here is right there in the scriptures as well is that we now are spiritual Israel in that sense, left here to be salt and light. Jesus told us, don't be salt and light. Let your, let your light shine before men so that they can see your good works and they will then glorify your father in heaven. And then also we proclaim that message. I've got to take a phone call quickly before I run out of time here. I want to visit with, um, uh, who we got? I think it's Bob on the line with me. Hi, Bob. Good to hear from you. Hi, uh, Soapy. I'm glad you're back. Thank uh, you. I, 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 I feel for you. I've, I've been very sick here in about the last three weeks. Sorry, and I'm getting sorry. over just. I'm getting over it just now. Was it a but, uh, was it a throat thing or more? Uh, of a... Yeah, it was bronchitis, but I had high fever, and it was it was real, real bad for two days. Mm, and take, I uh, take care I, of yourself. I had insomnia, and I had dreams. I had dreams that that terrorism was coming, but mm. um, and it made me in heaven insomnia. But oh, my but lands. I had I, my my was wheezing, and the wheezing sounded like a crowd of people that were in agony and pain. Oh, but my anyway, land. it kind of worked its way into my dreams. Are but, you uh, are, are you anyway, feeling a little uh, Are you feeling a little better? A little better. Anyway, yeah. yes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Harold mentioned uh, Charles Swindoll. I wrote him a letter on Friday. And uh, it's kind of along the lines of what you've been saying about our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and Israel. And I wrote him a letter using some scriptures and using his own logic, that because he's a very logical uh, yeah. preacher, if you listen to him. Mm-hmm. He, he uses logic, and he lets the text speak to himself yes. and, and to speak to the congregation. And uh, I wrote him a letter saying, well, if it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if, it's a, if we're worshiping that uh, God, why don't we keep seventh day Sabbath? Because that's the day, and it's the it's it's the Sabbath was made for man, not just for the Israelite. And and I wrote him a letter, Good. but I don't know. I hope he resp- I hope he responds. If but he does, I, I if he does, would persuasive. You, if he does, would, you, would pretty, you share it with us? 
Well, I used some pretty persuasive scriptures, I thought, but uh, about the only one I didn't use was some of the some of the preachers come on and they say the Sabbath is a burden, but the the First uh, John says the commandments are not grievous, but um, so it flies in the face of that. But the the, the scriptures I used, I guess, were. Uh, uh, they're not coming to my mind at this at this very moment. Uh-huh. Well, that's uh, all right. But but I I uh, I did say uh, that it, the the the, uh, the the scriptures were uh, oh the Sinai is uh, um, oh the, uh, the 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 ways of the, the ways of the commandments were prepared that we would in ancient times that we would walk in them and we should walk in them. That was one of the scriptures I used. I'm glad you shared that with us, Bob. If he writes you back, please give us a call. I'd love to hear what he said. Okay. Thank you, folks, for joining us. God bless you. Have a great week. Pray for Jacob. Help him to get strong and come back to us, Lord, we pray. And in the name of our Savior, Jesus. God bless everyone. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.